Good morning, everyone. And Merry Christmas to you. In case I, like Ime said last night, in case I forget, I, I don't want to leave here and go home and be racked with guilt that I didn't wish everybody a Merry Christmas. That would be awful. Nice to have a, a number of folks visiting with us today. And um, we welcome you and hope, hope you enjoy your time with us. So. All right. I'm just trying to, I don't know what it is, my fingers are frozen or something. They're just, they're just not working anymore. I'm trying to get my Bible open. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. We thank you for your great love to us. Thank you we can come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has come to this earth, the one who was sent by the Father, that we may have life. And Father, may we be true to your word today as we look at it, and we walk away from here, understanding and realizing what this day is all about. Not about presents, not about turkeys, not about bows and trees and all of these things, but it's the Savior, Christ the Lord. And we ask that we will be drawn to him. In Jesus' name, amen. A white Christmas. <coughs> Didn't have one this morning. Need a new thingy for Christmas. There we go. This is lady. I jumped ahead. This is lady who was baking her Christmas cookies. Now I'm known at work for these what they call dad jokes. Okay, the younger people at work say, "Oh, that's such a dad joke." Uh, and at home. <coughs> They tell me I shop in the dad store, Eddie Bauer and stuff like that, and, and uh, you know, I wear dad clothes and things like that, so I, I decided I'd wear modern socks. <laughs> so, but they all, I'm known for my, my dad jokes at work. So here's this story, and it happened in, uh, in California. We actually have somebody here from California who's been, came here from California, and he's, he's the guy who's bundled up with a scarf and all that stuff, so you'll know who he is. But... <coughs> This, this lady was baking her Christmas cookies. And this dude pulls up and he's, he's looking for, for, just begging for money, going door to door. And she said, well, you know, there's no free rides in this life, but if you'll do something for me, I'll give you some money. And he said, yeah, sure, I'll do anything. And she said, what are you, what are you good at? And he said, well, I, I, I had a job as a painter at one time. And he said, she said, okay, I've got all the paint, I've got all the supplies, I've got the rollers, I've got the brushes, I've got it all. And I'd like you to go around the back and paint my porch. And he, she said, great deal, and I will pay you 200 bucks. And he said, oh, 200 bucks? Sure, I'll do that. And he finished in record time, and he came back, and standing there at the lady, and she said, that was really fast. He goes, I do fast work. He said, but you, you really should know that that's not a porch. It's a Mercedes you've got out there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, life is full of surprises. <laughs> and Christmas is often filled with surprises. You see, to be serious for a minute here, when God sent his son into the world, uh, this is people, Christmas full of surprises, I'm sorry, I, I jumped behind. So this is, this is what 
you experience in your home when you know people open up and they and see I I we made one of these shopping trips and we were going to get all our Christmas shopping done so I'm expecting very little when I get home because I think I bought most of my gifts but I know my wife will go out and buy something for me that I'll open it up and say whoa what are you thinking no <laughs> and but 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 we all get a surprise at Christmas time, sometimes when we open things up. But the greatest surprise, really, of Christmas is the fact that when Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, sent his son to this earth, he didn't send him to, to Rome, the capital of the world at the time. He didn't send him to be born in a fancy hospital or in a palace with silk sheets and, and gold all around him. I mean, he deserved that, didn't he? He's the, he's the God of heaven. He's the creator of all things. But no, he, he came and he came to a, a feeding trough in an animal enclosure, probably attached to the side of the infamous inn that didn't have any room. This is the God of heaven. This is the Son of God. And the whole world was taken by surprise as he's born in this little town that nobody ever heard of. I mean, it was really the middle of nowhere. What a surprise. The king of kings, born in a town that nobody knew, in a stable, in a manger, a feeding trough, enclosed with cattle, sheep, and who knows what else, probably some goats, and all of the stuff that they had eaten, and all of the stuff that they had, that had passed through their bodies. It, the stench would be unbelievable. And this is where the God of heaven chose to send his son. You know, that is one of the surprises of Christmas. But what about a white Christmas? Now that would have been a great surprise this morning, wouldn't it? I mean, Environment Canada said there was a 10% chance of receiving snow today. I think they're just covering themselves. So. You know, they always do that. 10% chance of snow in July. But they just have to make sure we can't have this liability against them. So, But I would actually love to have a white Christmas. I, I would have loved to have gotten up this morning to 40 centimeters of snow. I mean, because first of all, uh, I wouldn't have to come preach. <laughs> but I got a new snowblower at last year. And I, I'm just like dying to use it. I used it once in that slush that we had, and that was okay, but I, I just can't wait till we get like a good 40 centimeters or something so I can blow it over to the neighbor's lawn. Love him just as I love myself, as he loved me all those years that he had his snowblower. So I, I love, I'd love a white Christmas. A white Christmas. I love white snow. You love white snow. I'm sure you do. Not the dirty gray stuff that we see piled up on the side of the roads like we've seen all the past couple of weeks. Who likes that? But you know, not all snow is white. In Greenland, a few years ago, they've discovered green snow and red snow. I mean, it looks pretty yucky, but what it is actually is algae living in the snow that survives in those harsh environments, and it colors the snow red and, and, and green, and there's orange and, and kind of purplish snow. But what we want is the white snow. How would you like to wake up and look at that? No thanks. I'll take the gray stuff, because it's going away. But we love white snow. Why do we like white snow? White snow covers everything and makes it look fresh and new, doesn't it? 
You see, when we have a white snowfall, I love it in my backyard because, you know, there's, there's leaves. I haven't raked them up yet. I left them there. Eh, careless. There's, there's weeds that I hate all summer long, and I look at them and I say, you're just laughing at me, and, and, and they're still there laughing at me today. And I would love to have a white covering to make it go away. And once in a while, the raccoons come along, and they drag some little treat out of my, out of my garbage can. And I just noticed one yesterday halfway across my lawn that's sitting there that, that they dragged out a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, a, a day ago. And uh, I haven't picked it up yet. And, and I would love to see a white blanket of snow just, just cover it all. We like white snow. It covers our mistakes. It's so stark out there. A white snowfall would be beautiful at Christmas time. You don't see Christmas cards that show today. Six degrees and, you know, kind of misty. They all have white snow covering everything, making it all look fresh and beautiful. Well, you know, the Bible mentions snow and white snow. In Isaiah, God gives an invitation for a white Christmas. He says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. There's a few things that we need to notice about. This was written in the day of Isaiah. It was, it was many centuries before the first Christmas actually happened. And God is making this offer and this, this offer to wash away sins and, and make them white as snow. The first thing that I notice is that the people he's speaking to, well, they're religious people. They're people who went to the temple on a regular basis. They knew all the rituals. They knew all the things to do for their religion. They trusted in ritual, and they had no relationship with God. The other thing, they, they trusted in all of their political rulers, and, and they, they had no relationship with the God of heaven. But God is saying to them, you're religious, but your life is so shallow. You've disconnected from me. Churches are filled today, today, Christmas Day, with people who come only at Christmas time, religious people. Churches have been filled this past week with people who, as part of religious service to God, thinking, yeah, it's Christmas, I got, uh, Christmas week. I'm going to go to church every day this week. But they have no relationship with God. They're going for religion, not for relationship. There's a disconnection. But what God is saying here in this verse is you need to go beyond all of those religious rituals and you need to go deeper and have a relationship with me. And that's what his desire for us today is. God is saying... Go beyond the decorations, the lights, the trees, the church services, the gifts, the turkeys. Go beyond all of that and know me. Know what it is that I offer you. Really hard to get statistics on Canada. I did get some, but over 90% of Americans own a Bible. It's nowhere near that in Canada, I can assure you. It's nowhere near that. 60% of Americans claim to be religious. But what difference has that made in that nation? What difference has it made? Does it change the crime rate? Has it changed the divorce rate? Has it changed what we watch on the internet? 
Religion doesn't change anything. Religion just takes us deeper into a hole because there's no relationship with God. God would say it's not your relationship, your relationship, or sorry, your religion is not cutting it. This is who he's talking to. In our country, it's even worse. We don't own near as many Bibles, and there's a study from 2014 that says those who read the Bible in Canada once a month, once a month, that's devotions, has gone from 28% to less than 14% since 1996. 64% of Canadians think that all religious writings teach essentially the same things. God doesn't want religion. He doesn't want people who will trust in political rulers. Uh, we just came through that freak show of an election in the U.S. and, and people are, have all their faith in this billionaire from New York is going to change the world for them. You know, four years from now, they're going to want to toss him to the curb. And they're going to look for somebody else. And he'll be the same. Just like the ones before him were the same. That's not what God wants us to do. That's, he's speaking to people in that day that are the same as the people today. Religious people. People trusting in political rulers. But you know, what God is saying here, I'm willing to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm willing to do for you what your religion will not do for you. I'm willing to do for you what your political leaders will not do for you. I am offering you to do something that you can't do yourself. You cannot free yourself from your sin. We heard that last night as we spoke here. We have a huge mountain of debt of sin stacked up against us. I mean, I, I, I remember days of having credit card debt that you know, the roof would go off your house and you know where to put it. You put it in your credit card and you're thinking, I can never get out from under this. Our mountain of debt from sin, we can never get out from under it on our own. We can never pay it out on our own. And God is saying, I am willing to do this for you. What's interesting, secondly, is in all of this, God makes the first move. You know, going right back to the Garden of Eden, when we all remember the, the account that's given there, Adam and Eve went to the tree that they were, were not supposed to touch, and, and they did, and then God came down to walk with them. What did Adam do? He ran. He ran. And God ran after him. Adam, where are you? Where did you go? And God, man ran from God from the very first sin. And they've been running ever since. Thousands and thousands of years of men running from God. Man running, God chasing. Christmas is about God making the first move. He sent his son. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. He sent his son to rescue those who were running. Now, people didn't demand a savior. That's the last thing on their minds. They wanted a king. They wanted a human leader, a judge, but not a savior from heaven. But God made the first move, and, and, and he sought out man. He, he, he's chasing man down. 
Jesus Christ himself said when he, when he came to earth and he lived among us, Luke chapter 19, 19 verse 10, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to look for those who are lost, those who have disconnected from God and have been running. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we read, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. God took the first step in love. God was the one who initiated it. In John chapter 3, verse 16, everybody knows this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son. He made the first step. All we like sheep have gone astray, it says in Isaiah. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in Ephesians, this verse was read this morning, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, because of his great mercy, God is the one who has intervened. He made the first move. The next thing is that God wants our consideration. What does he say in this verse? He says, come now, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. Do you ever get into a situation, perhaps if you have children, especially wayward, rotten ones like I have? I'm just kidding. I have great children, and they're all here today. <laughs> but do you, ever, do you ever sometimes have, to have that discussion with your kids? And they're like, why, why, why? You say, okay, let's sit down and we'll talk about this. Let's reason together. Let me give you the reason why I said no. And God is saying here, let us reason together. I'm not going to appeal to your emotion. I'm not going to come and, 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 and blast you with something that's just going to be, wow, stars in the sky, and that's exciting, and, and, and fireworks are going to go off and all this stuff. He, he's saying, I want to reason with you. I want to speak with you in a reasonable tone. I want to give you the reasons why. He appeals to our reason. Some people will say, don't ask questions, just believe. That's not a good way to do it. Ask questions. Understand why and what you're going to believe. It's a, it's a conscious decision to come to Christ. You have to understand the facts. You need to know why you're going to believe and what you're going to believe. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. The Christian faith is a reasonable faith based on the facts of history and the experiences that we've seen around us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's the scripture's way of saying, look at all that God has done for you. Consider what he has done. And therefore, it makes perfect sense for you to devote your life to him. It's only reasonable. God wants to reason with man. He wants us to consider what he has done. Next, this offer that God is making in his invitation. He's offering redemption. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, I find it very interesting. God never, ever forces salvation on anybody. He doesn't jam it down your throat. He, we always get told, that, it's funny, you know, the, we were down in the streets the other night, and, and, and this guy, he was really wired up and, and at us. And, and uh, there was two, so this way it makes him anonymous of which one it was. But, but he, he accused us of just ramming our religion down his throat. 
And I thought, nobody rammed anything down anybody's throat here. We gave you a candy cane. I guess you can call that ramming something down your throat. But, but nobody, God doesn't do that. He doesn't come along and just jam his religion down your throat. He doesn't make salvation something that's non-optional. He wants to reason with you. He is offering. I'll give, you take. You know, my wife is not going to force any of those gifts on me that are home today. She'll pass them to me. I'll take them. I'll open them. I'll be thankful for them, and I'll accept them. She's not going to force me. She goes, this is for you, unless it's, unless it's a rake to get those leaves off the lawn. Up. <laughs> but, but, you know, she's, no, a gift is not forced upon anybody. It's given, and you accept it. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He doesn't come with a bulldozer and knock the door down. He's reasonable. He comes and he offers, he asks you and offers you redemption. Though your sins be red like scarlet. You know, scarlet is a dye made from a worm that is crushed to get that color. And that's a sermon for another day. But it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a dye, a red dye. And then crimson is, was a cloth that was dyed. Actually, the term it means it was double dyed. And so I want you to get, there's an image here from your sin being red like crimson, or red as scarlet, and red like crimson. It's an indelible stain that can't be removed. You know, every time I open up a new shirt, hopefully today, I know I'm going to drop some kind of food on that shirt. Like, I don't wear very many solid color shirts unless I have a jacket or something or a bib over it, because... The nice thing about stuff that has checks and everything else on it, you can kind of hide the stains. Because as soon, I know, as soon as I open up a new shirt, I'm going to drop something, a beet, down the front of it, <laughs> or a blueberry. That happened actually not that long ago. We had the president of our company was coming into the office, and I love my yogurt, blueberries, and granola in the morning, so I'm eating it all, and boy, a blueberry went right down, right down here. Well, off to Costco to get the only size that I have, and they had one in stock, and it didn't match anything else I was wearing, but that was great. At least it didn't have blueberries on the front of it. But the point is, our sin is an indelible stain that cannot be removed. There's stains on my shirts that'll never come out, no matter what. Well, no matter what my wife tries to put on them, or whatever I try to put on them. I even try that Dr. Beckman stuff, which you can get at Walmart. And it's supposed to take any stains out, but it doesn't really work on everything. Our sin is like that. It's an indelible stain that's always going to be there. It's always on the front. But God is saying, I'll tell you what, I will let the white snowfall of my forgiveness fall upon your crimson soul and make it white and pristine. I can take away that stain. I can take away that spot. And I will cover it and it will be white like snow. God offers forgiveness. Snow and wool are naturally pure. And this is what God is offering to do. David says, purify me and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Which brings me to Christmas. You know, the angel said to Joseph, when he informed him that his wife-to-be was pregnant, he said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus' name, Yahashua, means God is salvation. God is salvation. His, his name would describe his very mission. His name would describe what he is here to do. Everything about him is found in that name. God is salvation, the Savior. And every Christmas we talk about this because we want to get the focus on the offer that God is making through this one who came as a baby. 
There's so much that takes our, our minds away from what's important at Christmas. Traffic, shopping, gifts, cards, food, food, sweets, turkey, food. All that stuff just takes our focus away from what's important here. God is making an offer through his son, the Lord Jesus. So what's the purpose of Christmas? Is it just a few days off work or school? Is it an opportunity to go broke? For some of it is. Is it an opportunity to give retailers a, a larger profit? Is it, or to consider a baby that is born and a fine example and a good and kind man to follow? No. It's about God sending his son to save his people from their sins. This little nugget here in Isaiah, this offer that God gives to take away our sins, it's Jesus Christ coming to save his people from their sins. You know, I want you to understand this. There's no salvation in the birth of Jesus Christ. There's no salvation found in the sinless, perfect life of Jesus Christ. There's no salvation, actually, in his great teachings. He gave some great teachings, great sermons. There's only salvation in the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His blood was shed, and that's the snowfall that would cover your sins forever. That's the offer, and it's an offer you shouldn't refuse. Finally, God wants to appeal to our volition or our will. The next verse says this. I think I, yeah, I put it there. If you are willing and obedient you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 1, 19 to 20. God is saying, I'm going to make you an offer, an incredible offer. I'm not going to force it on you, but if you're reasonable, you'll take this deal. You'll take this offer. If you take it, good things will happen. It is for your good. If you choose to say no, I guarantee you bad things will happen. Things will not have a good end. And he's saying it's your choice. He's desiring that by making this offer and appealing to our choice, our volition, that they will choose wisely. I think of that story of the prodigal son and how he, he was down, took the money from his dad, spent it all, and now he's feeding pigs. And he's saying, oh, if only I could just eat the stuff that they don't want. And what did it say? When he came to himself, he said, I will go back to my father. It was an act of his own decision. God wants us to take his offer of salvation by our own decision. I'm going to close with a, a few things here. Christmas is taking the offer that Jesus Christ is your only savior and the only one who can take away your sins. All of our hope is in him. And you know, the offer today is exactly the same as it was in the day of Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, a deep, deep stain, they shall be like wool. God is offering to cleanse your soul, to do for you what no pastor, no priest, no person, no religion can do for you. He is offering to forgive your sins, to take them away. And it can only come through trusting.
the Lord Jesus Christ, who on the cross took all of your sins upon himself. The Bible says that he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And we can be free and saved from our sins by trusting in him that death was for you. It's a great offer. And are you willing to take it? Isaiah 1.18, that verse that's right there, it says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The opportunity is to come now. We don't have any guarantee that it'll be tomorrow. We don't have any guarantee that you can go home and do this. The offer is for now. Don't assume that you will always have the opportunity. The other thing is, you can say no and, and you can say yes. That opportunity is there. But it's an offer that's a reasonable offer. You probably should take it. The only way we sing joy to the world and we sing about peace this time of the year. The only way joy and peace will come on planet Earth is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. It doesn't come through treaties. It doesn't come through presidents. It doesn't come through people. It doesn't come through money. It doesn't come through anything we do. It comes through Jesus Christ and trusting him. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as red as, your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. What does it mean to come? It means to recognize that I have sins that are like scarlet. It's to recognize that, that my, my sins are red like crimson. To agree with God, yes, I'm a sinful person. I have sin. I have a debt of sin. To repent. And to accept his offer. If you come to me through the offer of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the one who will save his people from their sins, accept his payment on your behalf on the cross, and you'll be saved. You will have a white Christmas. Your sins will be washed white as snow. Father, thank you this morning for this time we can come and look into your word. We thank you for the great hope that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. White as snow. Father, those of us who live in this country know what it's like to look out on a fresh white snowfall and to see all the ugliness of the dead things covered and the beauty that it brings. I pray if there's anybody here this morning and they're still living with the dark stain of sin in their life and have never been to you for forgiveness, that they would come now and reason together with you, that they would look into the word of God, examine the facts, the facts that Jesus Christ was sent not just as a man, not just as a baby, not just as a teacher, but sent to save his people from their sins. And Father, if there's one here this morning who has never accepted you, they will see your payment for them on the cross can wash away their sins 
and their soul will be as white as snow. I pray that they trust you this morning. I pray for those of us who have trusted you, that we will be thankful in our hearts. And as we celebrate this day today, that we are celebrating with hearts that are overflowing with thankfulness that you sent a Savior, Christ the Lord. We give you thanks in his name. Amen. I'd like to sing a song as we